days, which is a bit strange because in times of global turbulence, the yen over the last 10 years has been a safe haven. It tends to rally. So the yen has been weak for the last week or so, and I think that's raising some concerns, A, about what's happening, but also B, about will Donald Trump notice and get upset and uh, talk about exchange rates again, once again. So I think for the BOJ standpoint, you know, Kuroda is in a very difficult position because the BOJ has done so much over the last six to seven years. Um, he can perhaps inject more liquidity into the economy, but his ability to do much is, is limited. Probably you'll see a bigger response on the fiscal side from the government if need be. William, thanks very much indeed. That's Tokyo-based journalist William Pesic. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in Tokyo, Japanese stocks have plunged almost 4% uh, in early trading. The SX200 also down 1.8%. The Hang Seng looks set to lose 170 points or so at the open. Uh, over in South Korea, the Cosby up slightly, just 0.1%. Uh, Brent crude oil trading at $55 uh, uh, sorry, $56.30 uh, a barrel, and gold right now is at $1,650 an ounce. That's a seven-year high. I'll be back tomorrow morning with more Money Talk on Budget Day, of course, here in Hong Kong. The weather forecast for today, sunny periods. There's going to be a maximum temperature of about 25 degrees. It's going to be warm tomorrow, mist in the morning and at night, and then windier in the next couple of days. It's 21 degrees right now, and the relative humidity, 86%. Just gone 8.31. Here's Samantha Butler with the half-hour news. Civic Party lawmaker Dr Kwok Ki is accusing the government of having double standards by barring people from South Korea, yet refusing to close the borders to mainland arrivals despite there being 100 times more cases of the coronavirus on the mainland. Travellers who've been to South Korea in the past 14 days will also be barred, while returning Hong Kong residents will be quarantined. Dr Kwok also criticised the government for failing to bring back Hong Kong residents stranded in Hubei province while other countries evacuated their citizens a month ago. The rescue of the citizens from other countries has been started a month ago. They don't encounter any difficulties. But, you know, in Hong Kong, we always think that we are, have very tight connections with the mainland government. We are always helped by the mainland government and people are the most important consideration. But I can't see why our government is so inefficient and lack of will in bringing the residents or citizens coming back to Hong Kong. The government said it would charter a flight to bring back high-risk residents from Hubei, such as pregnant women and students, but it hasn't given a timetable for such action. The disgraced former Hollywood movie mogul Harvey Weinstein is facing years in jail after being convicted of rape and sexual assault by a court in New York. The verdict is a milestone for the Me Too movement, which inspired women around the world to speak out about their experiences of sexual misconduct. Weinstein was cleared of three more serious charges. His lawyers say they'll appeal against the conviction. The actor Rose McGowan was one of the first people to accuse Weinstein publicly of rape. She said the verdict was a relief. Today is a real healing moment. It's going to start the healing because it's just less pressure that he's just out there hurting someone else. It's about him and not about him at the same time. And for me and hopefully for most of his victims now, we can start rebuilding our lives. And I have to feel that some measure of my life will be free. The widow of the late U.S. basketball star Kobe Bryant is suing the owner of the helicopter which crashed last month, killing her husband and 13-year-old daughter. Vanessa Bryant filed a lawsuit for wrongful death at a Los Angeles court. The news emerged as thousands of Bryant's fans took part in a public memorial. Here's the BBC's David Willis. 
20,000 fans crammed the Staples Center, the home of the LA Lakers, to hear speeches from basketball legends Michael Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal, as well as female athletes whom Kobe Bryant has mentored over the years. There were musical tributes from Beyonce and Alicia Keys, and a very moving tribute from Kobe Bryant's widow, Vanessa, who is now suing the company that supplied the helicopter that crashed. The lawsuit claims negligence on the part of the pilot. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton. Your co-host today is uh, Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. We're talking mostly about masks today. When should you wear them and when are they a waste? Why do some people wear a mask and some don't? Is it a matter of different cultures? Is it personal preference? Something political, perhaps? And as the COVID-19 outbreak spread around the world, how and why are Chinese overseas facing discrimination since the outbreak? And, of course, has it peaked in China? Let us know your thoughts, your questions and comments. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can give us a call. Our telephone number is 233-88266, Joining us for this first part of the programme, before 9 o'clock, we have with us now Siddharth Siddharth, clinical assistant professor in the Department of Microbiology at the University of Hong Kong, an expert in uh, infectious uh, disease. After nine, we're going to be talking about kind of other aspects of uh, mask wearing, the non-medical ones, uh, with Gordon Matthews from the Chinese University and uh, Joseph Cheng. If you've got any kind of questions or thoughts on that side of it, um, then uh, maybe we'll uh, deal with those after nine. Uh, as I say, of course, the number is the same, 233-88266. And a reminder that uh, on Friday, well, tomorrow is the, is the budget to be given by Paul Chan, the financial secretary. We'll be talking about that then and on Thursday. Uh, And on Friday morning, uh, Paul Chan himself uh, will be joining us between 8 and 9 for a phone-in programme, your chance to talk directly to the financial secretary. We'll just put you on the line and off you go. Uh, That'll be between 8 and 9 with the usual number, 233-88266. If you want to talk to the financial secretary, I'll be doing that with uh, Peter Lewis, uh, who's the um, financial expert. Uh, That's between 8 and 9 on uh, Friday morning. Uh, Before we get to talk uh, in particular about uh, mask use and uh, medical aspects, uh, of uh, latest uh, developments. Here's a few. Uh, we've, got, we've got a lot and a lot of emails, so I will have to uh, edit them as I go along. We've got many, many emails on, on a variety of topics. Uh, a few threads and subplots going on uh, as well. Okay. Peter T says uh, on public safety, we are steadily moving towards a crucial deci- uh, decision point for the local administration, i.e., Carry and Co. The people physically in Hong Kong are facing the prospect of a public health system under extreme pressure through the government's action to return all its citizens to the SAR as soon as possible. There will come a time when it must make them a difficult decision that their focus must switch to preserving the lives of all those of us actually here rather than those elsewhere in the mainland. The $30 billion is a sensible move. Immediate cash handouts probably wise, but these are easy for the decision makers. It will be extremely painful for families that are separated to accept that their separation must continue longer than they wish. 
But this is inevitable if the world's most densely populated city is to survive in any recognisable, tolerant, civilised state. That's the view of uh, Peter T. S says, so looks like this time the government is selectively going to give cash handouts when in fact the whole of Hong Kong has been suffering due to the coronavirus. I don't see why Holden Chow, that's of the DAB, is suggesting that laundry services and beauty parlours should be compensated. The laundry services have been quite busy as some domestic helpers were stuck overseas and could not return. In my area, all laundries are operating normally. As for the beauty parlours, is he again going to differentiate between hairdressers, where it may be a necessity, and the general beauty treatment centres, which are not a human necessity? The government will waste a lot of resources vetting out whom to compensate. Instead, this is one time, as James Tin has suggested, to give cash handouts to all Hong Kong citizens. J.A. says, In our divided society, scarred by COVID-19, while the government is giving handouts, which may be popular and politically necessary, perhaps the government can do better by helping those left unemployed by using their capabilities. Here are my suggestions. One, use the unemployed workers on minimum wage to repair, repave, and the, ro the roads and pavements of Hong Kong, which are generally in need of attention. Uh, two, start vocational programmes under which such unemployed can learn a trade, such as electrician, mason, painter, plumber, and let the government pay for the cost of the training and certification. We in Hong Kong face a severe shortage of skilled handymen, and such training will provide a new army of trained personnel. The government can also provide a website for free where such newly skilled workers can advertise their skills and availability. Three, is a temporary measure use of people without jobs to take part in territory-wise Clean Hong Kong project where they are played minimum wages and can clean up all the trash from our countryside and so on. Uh, teaching how to fish will be better than giving a fish to eat. Thank you very much indeed for, for those thoughts, uh, J.A. And um, uh, this is from uh, Gavin, who uh, did... Uh, we read a little message from uh, yesterday, but... Um, He's, uh, he's interested in the idea of, uh, of uh, 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 transmission and uh, of also of uh, isolation and quarantine. Uh, he says, uh, virus have three identifying factors. R0, that's the uh, efficiency of, of uh, transmission, uh, of infection. Uh, B, transmission method. C, mortality rate. All of these threes are yet to be positively identified and confirmed for COVID-19. While the unknowns remain unknown, then the only immediate responsible response is to bide time while the experts identify the missing vectors. And whilst people are contaminated, they must already, they must be isolated from the healthy members of the community in the meantime. There is an obvious misunderstanding in the government and the general public between the central differences between quarantine and isolation facilities. This is blatantly apparent with the example of Diamond Princess and before that Amoy Gardens in 2003. Put simply, an isolation facility enables a patient to be contained within a controlled environment where there is little or less risk of any contaminant at the immediate atmosphere to transmit to the surrounding areas. This is achieved through the process of negative pressure. The pressure inside the facility is less than the ambient air pressure outside, therefore air can get in but not out and if medical attention of the inhabitants is necessary, it must entail a controlled uh, and contained exit point, an airlock, so to speak, allowing medical attendants donned with uh, suitable uh, protection access on arrival and decontamination. A quarantine facility is a tent in a field away from everyone else, and Gavin uh, has a link to 
uh, a uh, a company that produces uh, these uh, kinds of uh, isolation uh, facilities with negative pressure. Maybe that's something we'll take up in a moment with with uh, Professor uh, Siddharth. Good morning to you, and thank you for for joining us once again. Uh, okay, let, let's let's talk about first of all the the, the masks. Um, this is a this is a big <laughs> bone of contention. Mike Rouse, the co-host on on Monday, is quite adamant that you don't need to wear a mask. He doesn't need to wear a mask, uh, only if he has any symptoms, um, mm. and uh, that he's quite healthy, so there is no re- need to wear a mask. And uh, he says that this is the WHO uh, advice as well. Right. Um, right. Uh, that you only need, I think, the, you only need the only you only need to wear a mask if you if you think you might be in touch with is or contact with or if you're dealing uh, medically with somebody who has the has the virus um yeah. uh, obviously most people in hong kong don't agree because most people in hong kong frankly walk yeah. around wearing masks all the time yeah. what's your advice i'm squarely the pro mask camp um the doctor advice applies tries to fashion the set advice for the whole world a variety of settings but the hong kong situation is uh, very different to most other countries in the world at the moment we are on the brink in a sense that is the uh, mainland china next to us has had an astronomical number of cases and uh, even locally the number of cases steadily starts steadily increasing so uh, i would say universal mask usage uh, which is being practiced in hong kong streets at the moment is uh, probably one of the most practical and uh, effective measures to actually prevent this becoming a disaster for Hong Kong. So uh, there are a few reasons I say that. Uh, for those who say mask usage is probably only required if you're in certain settings or if you're in contact with sick persons, etc., uh, I'd like to raise uh, two aspects uh, of context. The first aspect is that uh, this is a completely new virus that the human population has not seen. So we are all susceptible to infection by this virus. So it's not like influenza or other respiratory viruses that people keep seeing all the time. So there's a baseline bundle of immunity, which is completely new. Professor Siddharth, Professor um, I'm sorry, the quality of the, the phone the phone line is is pretty poor. We can hear you saying that you are you are certainly an advocate of uh, universal mask wearing as practiced uh, in Hong Kong. You are in the pro mask camp very much, um, but um, let's see if we can call you back and see if we can find a better line. Uh, uh, maybe if you can move a little bit, or we can move a little bit, or, or something like that. We'll, we'll get him back on the line uh, in just a moment. Uh, in the meantime, um, some other thoughts. So GT, in an email, uh, says uh, mask, maybe that's a cultural kind of side of it. We could we could uh, talk about it in a, in a little bit. Uh, Philip says, I was on Big Wave Beach uh, on Sunday. No one on the beach was wearing a mask. Uh, a breath of uh, fresh air. Yeah, who's that on the line? Okay, we, we, we've got Professor Siddharth back now, I think, on, on the line. Good. Yeah, you were saying... Okay, sorry, let's see if we can get a better line. Um, you were saying you were firmly in the, the, the pro-mask camp and, and explaining why. Can you want to carry on? Yeah, sure. So the um, uh, two aspects is that the entire population is susceptible. This is a completely new virus. If you have 70-odd uh, cases and you see the kind of chaos this virus has caused to community in Hong Kong, if you have a few hundred or a few thousand cases, I can tell you that the impact on our healthcare system, uh, firstly, and also on other aspects of society, is going to be basically 
catastrophic. So we have to do all we can, all we possibly can to prevent of tens of cases becoming hundreds of cases or thousands of cases. Now, to those who say, um, I would only wear a mask when I'm coming in contact with sick people, the fact is that approximately 25% of cases in Hong Kong do not have an identifiable source from which they have acquired the virus. These are normal people who go about their daily activities and come down with this illness. One of the reasons for this is that COVID-19 is quite different to something like influenza in that normal appearing individuals can actually be infected. So we have something called asymptomatic transmission. There is a person without symptoms is also capable of transmitting the virus. So you don't have a normal kind of setting in which you would say, ah, here's a sick person and I should wear a mask. Uh, because asymptomatic people are well known, uh, well proven that they're actually capable of transmitting the virus. So for this reason, uh, I uh, would strongly recommend that once a person leaves the house in Hong Kong at this stage, goes to a public area, it is advisable to wear a mask. Right. Um, but on the other hand, masks uh, give uh, people a false sense of security uh, when we actually know that uh, they do not offer 100% protection from, from the virus. Uh, I have seen people wearing masks very improperly. and um, and, and so what, what, what could we do? Yeah. So the, the literature on this is quite clear. Masks have been shown to protect people from acquiring the virus in a variety of settings, both household, community, as well as healthcare. But the, the emphasis is on early, correct, and consistent masking. So I'll emphasize the words correct and consistent. So correct is, as you said, the technique is very important. So in this regard, the government has to spend a lot of effort in educating um, people on how to put on surgical masks. And I know the University of Hong Kong is also doing a lot of work to educate the community on this aspect. So it has to be correct and consistent. Consistent and that is what I think. Like we do put on a mask, surgical mask regularly, make a habit of it whenever uh, you're, you're, you're basically leaving the house. But uh, again, uh, things are never going to be 100% perfect. But we just hope that when a person is most at risk of acquiring the coronavirus from an asymptomatic carrier or someone he or she knows in the family, at that moment, the person is wearing a mask correctly, and that already reduces the risk of transmission somewhat. And you might might have potentially avoided a new case. But as you say, we are perfectly right to say that a lot of emphasis has to be placed on you know, improving the uh, uh, technique of using the surgical mask by the uh, general public. Okay, our number two three three eight eight two six six. We've got a caller on the line now, Sally. Sally, good morning. Morning. How are you? Hello. Go ahead, Sally. Uh, this is not strictly about masks. It's more about quarantine and isolation. Mm -hmm. um, it's occurred to me that there were a lot of empty apartments in the PLA barracks in the new territories. I've no idea if they're now in a terrible state of disrepair, but it strikes me that they're in an enclosed space. They're guarded. Um, they are, they've got bathrooms, they've got kitchens, um, and I wondered whether the government has approached the PLA to see whether there might be an option for extending quarantine uh, and isolation areas into those apartments. Are you thinking of especially the ones around Sekong? Yeah, so Camden area, mm. that, um, I, I guess even Stanley, um, but certainly they're, they're in 
slightly more isolated area than they're, they're well enclosed. They're quite striking, those, aren't they? Especially around Sekong. I know that there are whole tower blocks which are a lot of falling there. apart, basically. I think. Well, and, well they haven't been used, but mm. you know, so they may be they may be beyond use. But mm. it occurs to me that you know, possibly as good as a holiday centre or you know, <laughs> Disney or any of these other options you've got floating around. Okay. Sally, thanks so much indeed for your call, your, your suggestion. Sorry. That's All right. Two three three eight eight two six six. Professor Siddharth, what, what, what about, um, yeah, what about, first of all, that uh, uh, email that we had earlier, somebody talking about the difference between quarantine and, and isolation, and isolation being the kind of, the, typically the negative pressure, uh, space that you'd find uh, in hospitals and so on. Uh, I think he's concerned that if there is an outbreak, um, our, our uh, facilities for that kind of thing are, are, are completely inadequate. Uh, we really don't have enough of them if, if there was an outbreak in, in, in Hong Kong. Um, do we need more facilities like that, more isolation facilities apart from quarantine? Yeah, that, that is one of the problems that uh, I was referring to as uh, uh, isolation facilities, uh, as he correctly pointed out, are negative pressure, and uh, they're usually found in large hospitals. Um, and there's a limited number of them. So if, if this thing against some sort of control and you have a huge outbreak in the community, then we simply do not have the capacity to house these patients in a secure negative pressure setting. Um, in that kind of scenario, we might have to go back to very old-fashioned methods like housing people in well-ventilated, open kind of uh, hospital groups, because now the infection is so common in the community that putting people in the negative pressure kind of environment no longer makes sense. So, uh, you know, there are pictures back in the day from the Spanish school where you have these Florentine wards with uh, large warehouses filled with uh, beds and things like that. And as and teachers coming out of mainland China seem to show something similar going on there, because when you have thousands of cases, you simply do not have isolation facilities, and this is this is applied to most cities around the world. So, uh, again, going back to the point, uh, I think we just have to do everything we practically can to stop uh, the outbreak in Hong Kong before it gets to that stage, because then you know, things will have to be managed in a much more uh, basic or primitive way. Uh, okay, uh, Andrew F. in an email says, Public health in the UK is continuing to discourage or at least not actively encourage comprehensive mask use by the public. The rationale given is that mask use is not as effective as stressing hand washing and other personal hygiene measures in combating viral spread, especially since most people have quality masks which are poorly fitted and they don't know how to handle them properly. Furthermore, it's been suggested that masks actually create a false sense of security. This is something that was mentioned, encouraging people to still go out in public when they have a cough and they should be staying at home. Yeah. So, uh, I'd like to say that it is always a bundle. So, it's not mask use alone. It's mask use together with regular hand hygiene and being aware of where your hands are and not touching your nose or mouth or eyes in public. So, these three things go together. So, um, and these three things going together are definitely more effective than mask usage alone. Right? Uh, the other thing is, uh, I would say, yes, it might create a false sense of security and there might be people not using it correctly, but uh, again, people in Hong Kong, because we faced this before during the time of SARS, um, there, there is a general sense of awareness on uh, proper mask usage, and at least the protests that I do on the streets, uh, 
Um, uh, Professor, when when is it uh, pro-mask and you know uh, protecting ourselves, and and when is it um, you know uh, being obsessive? I noted that uh, a number of joggers nowadays uh, they you know they jog and they run pretty fast, but they are yeah. still wearing masks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is yeah. that necessary? It depends on the setting, you know. I, I am a person who has personally uh, never worn a mask outside my home. And out at the hospital during the flu season. Personally, I feel the best way to, um, if I have to get an infection, an influenza, or something, I'm a, I'm a relatively young to middle aged person. I can tolerate the infection and I can get a good immunity boost out of it if I call me instead later, right? Um, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, you're, you're, the, the phone line's not that good. But you were saying, sorry, you expose, you, you don't wear a mask. It's just right, you don't wear a mask outside the, the, your, the hospital normally, or, or, your, or your home. during normal flu seasons or things like that. Oh, this, I see. Okay, time, normally you don't. Yeah, because yeah, you want to build up an immunity. This thing is different okay. because this okay. time, again, we are facing an unprecedented challenge from a new virus. Um, hundreds of cases of which would basically overwhelm Hong Kong very quickly. Right. So in this particular setting, I, 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 I am I'm converted to the pro-mask kind of thing. So right. I would advise wearing a mask outside the home. Okay. Uh, here's some th- other thoughts from uh, listeners. Um, uh, Griff says, I'm with Mike Rouse. Uh, that's the co-host who won't wear a mask. In the absence of any medical advice that masks are needed or effective, what makes his critics think that it's more important either for them or for him to have face masks rather than Hong Kong's health services? I couldn't think of any more selfish from these critics. It's them who should be ashamed, not Mike. What, what, what about that point that um, there aren't enough masks to go around and therefore we should be saving it for uh, medical staff? I mean, people like you, Professor Siddharth. Right. Healthcare staff need masks. There's no doubt about that. But here's the thing. If we don't, if the community doesn't do everything it can to prevent us becoming a big crisis for Hong Kong, healthcare staff are going to be overwhelmed, even with boxes and boxes of masks. They're not not going to be able to handle the deluge of patients um, that would arise. This has happened in China, right? So... You suddenly have tens of thousands of cases coming in in uh, Wuhan. The hospitals are simply overwhelmed. Now, it doesn't really matter if they have enough protective supplies for themselves. The hospitals themselves cannot handle the strain. So most doctors would gladly, at least that I know in Hong Kong, would gladly advise their patients to wear a mask because they don't want to see these people fall sick and come into a hospital. So it's not a matter of being selfish and taking masks away from the healthcare system. It's using a mask so you don't need to use the healthcare system. Okay, yeah. All right, some, some, some more thoughts. Uh, on the uh, jogging, this is another experience from Peter M, who says there seems to be little consistency in people's mask-wearing behaviour. I was on Bowen Road in the peak mid-levels, which is a popular walking and jogging trail, despite the fact that it was very busy with lots of walkers and also joggers running by, breathing heavily. I would estimate that over 80%, regardless of race, were not wearing masks. Uh, this is an observation rather than judgment. I find it curious to contrast this with behaviour on the streets, where it seems 90% of the population are wearing masks. That comes <laughs> from Peter M. You can sort that out. Okay, uh, G, who uh, we uh, talked, we heard from uh, earlier, I read out 
message about uh, uh, the use of uh, isolation facilities. Uh, as response to uh, the comment from uh, Sally, the call about using the PLA barracks, uh, uh, G says PLA barracks' uh, state of repair is currently untenable. However, PLA barracks do have large areas of open spaces that may be immediately available for the deployment of emergency temporary negative pressure uh, isolation um, facilities. Uh, and uh, Derek says, uh, Dear Backchat, I would compare not wearing a mask to smoking in public. However, I am a little more concerned about the recent outbreaks in Italy and Iran than mask etiquette uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, and... Uh, uh, let's see. Pete says, obviously, the Hong Kong government does not consider masks to be important for the general public. They washed their hands of making them available um, some time ago. You can also see on our Facebook page a discussion there about the issue of masks. It's a, it's a popular one. Uh, TC, uh, for example, says uh, talks about the difference in expectations of wearing a mask in China, Hong Kong and Macau. Maybe we'll turn to that in the second part of the programme if we look at uh, like uh, political and, and uh, cultural aspects, if you like, of, uh, of uh, wearing the mask. Uh, for the moment, uh, Siddharth uh, Sridhar, thank you very much indeed for joining us, a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Microbiology at the um, University of Hong Kong. As I say, Gordon Matthews, Joseph Chang, joining us uh, after the news uh, at nine. We've got a lot of thoughts on a lot of uh, different topics as well from our listeners uh, to share. Uh, it's going to be a busy 25 minutes. OK, before all that, the weather. Uh, sunny periods today, warm. Temperatures today up to 25 degrees. Moderate easterly wind and the outlook is going to stay warm tomorrow. There will be mist in the morning and at night and it's going to be windier in the following couple of days. Uh, the readings at the moment, 21 Celsius and the relative humidity is standing at 86%. Just coming up to the news at 9 and back for more in three minutes' time. Russian-backed Syrian government forces have reportedly gained more ground in the latest clashes, pushing back opposition fighters. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiu. We continue to talk about uh, aspects of masks and mask wearing uh, in Hong Kong. We had a, uh, an infectious disease expert in the first part of the programme who said he's very much in the pro-mask uh, camp uh, and uh, gave some of his uh, reasons. We've got all kinds of angles uh, from uh, listeners and that's what we want to hear. You can uh, give us a call on 233-88266 with your comments and questions uh, or you can uh, drop us an email and we'll uh, try to read it out. We can't read them all. We can't read all of what you write. Backchat.rthk.hk, but we'll uh, do what we can. Or you can leave a message on our Facebook page and everyone can see it there. That's uh, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. I won't read out all the messages on the Facebook page, but you can check it out. Uh, and, of course, you can uh, join in the discussion uh, there as well. We were talking, as I say, mostly about kind of medical aspects in the first part of the uh, programme, also partly inspired by Mike Rouse, a co-host on uh, Monday, who refuses to wear a mask uh, and uh, unless it was uh, he wore one in Macau because it was the law I think that was the only time he's recently worn a mask. Uh, anyway, uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, cultural aspects and political aspects perhaps of uh, mask wearing uh, as well. Uh, I did say yesterday that from my experience uh, mostly it's guilos who don't wear masks. Um, any particular reason for that? Or we could talk about cultural differences. That's what we want to do in, in this part of the, uh, uh, of the 
programme. Uh, we're joined by uh, Gordon Matthews, Professor of Anthropology at the Chinese University, uh, and also uh, Joseph Cheng, a f- former Professor of Politics at uh, City University, once again, and number 233-88266. OK, a lot of emails on this topic. We also wanted to talk about the issue of uh, discrimination against uh, Chinese uh, in uh, outside uh, China, European uh, countries and Russia and so on. OK, Philippe uh, says, Mike, this is addressing Mike Rouse, even if you are of the opinion that masks are unnecessary or ineffective device, dutifully wearing a mask would cause you only minor inconvenience or discomfort, as is the case for the rest of us. The issue is adherence to community standards and respect for your fellow citizens. It concerns social manners. Your failure to wear a mask creates mental discomfort for your fellow citizens, who are most often involuntarily sharing your physical space. Surely in this case, your individual freedom should be subordinate to the community standard. None of your fundamental human rights are being imperiled. For better or worse, Hong Kong's culture is more collectivist than individualistic. If one is fortunate enough to enjoy the privilege of joining Hong Kong society, one should accept self-imposed limits on complete freedom of personal choice. That's uh, Philip's, uh, Philip's take. GT says, mask-wearing discrimination is more about education. In the years of the Black Plague, it became a Western culture to cover most when coughing or sneezing. The big problem we see here is that China's education doesn't encourage this behaviour. So this would be a main reason why many Westerners don't wear masks, as Mike states. Masks don't protect you, they only slow down your transmission if you have it. But if you cough and or sneeze, the mask will not prevent the virus from flying through the air. This is because the cough or sneeze reflex is too powerful. Let's educate the locals to cover their mouths and the situation will improve. It comes uh, from uh, GT. Uh, And um, John says, on masks, if you wear a condom when going into the unknown, then surely it makes sense to wear a mask right now. It's really quite simple, uh, says uh, John. Uh, Gloria says, I need to work, but only half my colleagues are in the office. We need to speak to one another in a short distance. Who knows who has the virus? To protect oneself and the others, we need a mask. That's uh, at least. Uh, And, um, yeah, other issues are on kind of uh, other emails on on other issues. One here to see from... uh, John in Sai Kung, who says, The doctor repeated the content of my previous email almost word for word. Fed up with the fake mask arguments, masks are not efficient, compared with what? Nothing? That's fake advice. Not using, any, not using correctly? It's immaterial. It reduces the risk. It doesn't stop virus. Well, the mask only has to stop the large water droplet, not the nano-sized virus. WHA advice targets the world in general, but not the local social situation. Sack your co-host as soon as possible. That's the take from John. John, thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, Gordon Matthews, good morning to you. Thank you for, for, for joining us once again. You must have noticed, as a professor of anthropology, looking around town, that um, uh, it's, it seems to be a lot, you seem to be a lot more likely to not wear a mask if you're not Chinese. Um, why is that? Well, that's true. And you mentioned earlier that it was Guaylos who didn't wear masks, but I was in Chunking Mansions on Saturday, and an awful lot of the Indians and Africans aren't wearing masks either. So it's not Guaylos, it is foreigners in general, okay. if looking at that example. And that's interesting. Uh, the answer I got in Chunking Mansions, uh, an Indian restaurateur told me, you know, our food is so spicy that we don't need to be protected from, from the virus. 
who can say about that. But in any case, uh, it is interesting that uh, foreigners in general, I don't know about domestic helpers, but certainly in chunky mansions, it, it's not only white people. Now, why not? Um, I was thinking about this. It strikes me the memory of SARS, which most foreigners didn't experience, but many, many people in Hong Kong did, is a pretty strong factor here because in 2003 when SARS struck, masks were deemed to be quite effective. And I think that's what people are turning to as a matter of reflex. Then added to that is the social pressure, that many of us are not within, immediately within a Hong Kong Chinese social world, so that pressure doesn't exist. I had a student write me a, a message saying, I've fled to Taiwan because my father, that idiot, he refuses to wear a mask. How can I live with somebody like that? Well, we don't tend to get that because we're not in that social world. And a lot of uh, Hong Kong Chinese I know, whether they feel uh, the medical need to wear a mask or not, certainly feel a social need to do it. That is a factor. Um, Gordon, is it also because of our built environment? We are the, one of the most densely populated cities in the world, and it really depends on where you live. If you live in Saigon, probably don't need to wear a mask. If you, uh, if you live in Sham Shui Po, uh, you should. Undoubtedly so. That's, uh, Ada, that's absolutely the case, that when you're crowded, you need to be able to do it. Uh, I live on campus of Chinese University, and I walk to my office without wearing a mask because nobody is within uh, 200 feet of me. But obviously, people in most areas of Hong Kong and crowded areas absolutely must, and the virus takes on considerably more uh, a more sinister feeling when you are so crowded together. Now, that leads to the question, is it uh, Chinese, Hong Kong Chinese, who are more likely to be in a crowded environment? Not necessarily, but maybe there is that tendency to a, to a limited degree. Um, yeah, but if you go back, I mean, if you think of a few years ago, uh, before there was this disease, there's still a propensity for, I'm going to say, East Asians to wear masks. Um, Japanese are quite fond of, will quite wear a lot of masks. And Koreans, Koreans don't. wear yeah. they, they don't. They don't. Yeah, yeah but, but I know about Japanese I mean, because of air pollution or for other reasons, you but, know. But Japanese masks are really interesting. When my Japanese friends wear masks when I'm in Japan, mm. the reason they give most often is they don't want to infect anyone else. They might have a cold, and it's courtesy not to infect anyone else. I sense that the mask people are wearing with SARS, and what people have told me is more, I want to be protected from other people. I don't have the virus, but other people may, and I want to be protected. Now, obviously, self-protection and protection uh, of others against oneself, it, it's hard to select one over another, but I think the motivation is a little bit different. Not very many people I know in Hong Kong are saying, I'm wearing a mask because I might be infected, and I want to protect other people from me. That's not the dominant motivation, I don't think. Right. What, what about in other cities? I know many Hong Kong friends who live in London and elsewhere, and they started wearing masks, uh, like um, most of us do, and then they're they, they're being discriminated on and people look at them, you know, with the weirdest kind of look and they say, you know, what are you doing? Take off your mask. Yeah, that's really interesting. In Hong Kong, if you don't wear a mask, you're discriminated against, whereas in other cities, if you do, you're discriminated against. I suppose the mask indicates, hey, I've just come from Wuhan, I've just come from Hong Kong, and then that's the way uh, rather ignorant observers would, would see them. Whereas in Hong Kong, if you don't, I mean, uh, I don't know what Mike Rouse does when he arrives to the MTR, but... He doesn't you know, wear a mask, he doesn't wear a mask. <laughs> ostracized he might have whole cars to himself you can't do that in hong kong he says he says it's like uh he says he sort of catches the eye of the other per there might be one other person in the in the train who is not wearing a mask or something and they feel a kind of bonded 
whatever. <laughs> yeah, but everybody thing. who is wearing a mask would think, who the hell <laughs> is this guy? <laughs> is it is it Guaylo's not feeling that that social pressure then, are you saying? It's, it's, uh... I think it is. I think that social pressure isn't felt because, again, that pressure is very largely a matter of family and close friends. Mm. And if your family and close friends are indeed wearing a mask, uh, and if they have friends in China who have come down with a virus, the pressure would be very, very strong. Whereas uh, for those of us who aren't directly in a Hong Kong family, there would be considerably less pressure. I mean, I know I myself tend to be a rationalist about this, thinking that with a 2% death rate, yes, it's a danger, but I was thinking the other day, if this were like Ebola with uh, a 40 or 50 or 60% death rate, I mean, I'd be climbing out of my skin with fear. As it is, no. So wearing a mask, yeah, if I'm on MTR, I'll wear a mask, but if I'm walking to my office, will I wear a mask? If I'm alone in my office will I wear a mask? No. And, and to me, that's rational. Now, am I saying Westerners are more rational? No. But Westerners aren't under that degree of social pressure uh, having uh, fair people you're very close to who, who are wearing masks, and that probably does make a difference. Okay, so um, th- there was that email from Philippe uh, saying that Hong Kong's culture is more collectivist than individualistic. Uh, Jonathan responds to that by saying, uh, Philippe has a faulty argument, unthinking compliance to community norms created witch-burning and anti-Asian sentiment overseas. That's, uh, that's uh, Jonathan's take. Any thoughts on that? Well, I don't think that... I don't believe in collectivism and individualism. Uh, I think we all would fall under social pressure. It's just the particular nature of that social pressure may be different. Um, you know, looking at uh, many other factors in Hong Kong, it doesn't seem particularly collectivist. The point is, if you are a Hong Kong Chinese, there is great pressure to wear a mask, and... Why not? Why not do it? Because as a number of the email messages you've gotten indicate, it does appear to have some degree of effectiveness. How much, we don't know. Um, but, but there's a degree, so why not do it? It doesn't hurt you. Whereas those of us who, who don't have to or aren't, aren't under that social pressure, um, I personally find masks to be uncomfortable, so I will certainly wear them in MTR. But if I'm walking to my office, I want the fresh air coming in. To me, that's a social choice. But if there is pressure, if other people are wearing it, I'm around, like in my office and there's a number of people there, yeah, I'll wear a mask. And, and I think that's common sense to do so. Do, uh, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Pete uh, raises the issue of supply, which we'll get to as well. Uh, Pete says, I've been back in Hong Kong since 31st of Jan, have been unable to buy a single mask. That is causing me some uh, discomfort. And uh, Andrew uh, F. Uh, says, uh, Matthew's shovel... This is referring to you, I think, Professor Matthews. Uh, Can someone get Gordon a bigger shovel? So, African-American scary, Indian people not very bright. I wonder what Professor Siddharth would have to say about the notion of South Asians believing curry would protect them. Uh, I would say that he needs to get a sense of humor. This was a dear friend of mine telling me this in Chunking Mansions. He was laughing as he said it, and I was laughing as he said it, too. Come on, give me a break. Okay. Uh, 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 Joseph Chang, good morning to you. Good morning. And thanks for joining. I heard you chuckling away at some of the, <laughs> <laughs> some of the comments there. Any thoughts on this? Any thoughts on the politics of it um, uh, in particular? I mean, the uh, masks have become a kind of political football, haven't they? You've got different groups producing them, you've got Demosisto or the FTU or, or millionaires or the government all kind of pitching in um, to, to sort of a trade a political capital. Um, what, what do you make of what, what's happening with masks? Well, basically, 
in the initial period of the epidemic, many people had great difficulty of securing masks, and naturally, people thought of helping, helping each other, especially uh, those who were those who are financially not well off, uh, because. Uh, at, at least a few weeks ago, sometimes a mask may, may, may cost $10 a piece, or, or at least 6 7 $5, and, and, and so on. So you do have poor families uh, who, who say they don't go out because they don't have masks, they are, they are poor, and so they, there are stories of people at the grassroots level uh, who said that they have not been going out for 10 days, even 20 days. So there is, there, there, there is certainly a lot of sympathy trying to help, and, uh, um, and there are various political groups who feel that this is a worthy cause, who may attract a lot of attention and political support. But there are also people who own small restaurants and so on, and, and, and they still would like to, to chip in. So I think uh, I would tend to look at it in a very positive way, that people would like to help, people would like to share, and this is naturally uh, uh, something that people can easily show uh, kindness, compassion for each other. Right. Um, Joseph, uh, in Hong Kong, masks have really become a big issue. Uh, do you think it's also because, uh, you know, Kerry Lam started this whole thing by ordering government officials not to wear surgical masks except in limited circumstances. I mean, her starting point uh, was to save supplies for medical staff, but then, you know, Obviously, she was misunderstood. Uh, the approach backfired, and then um, people were talking about when to wear masks, and you know that we should wear masks. And but if you look at um, other places like Taiwan or even like Japan, uh, th this is not a big issue at all. Well, well a lot of people. Uh in a pro-democracy camp, or a lot of people who have been critical of the Carrie Lam administration said that um, her advice or her behavior of not wearing masks in, when, when she met people, at least in the earlier period of the epidemic, was due to the fact that uh, uh, the, that the pro-establishment people uh, condemned the wearing of masks during the protest period in the previous uh, uh, months, in the second half of uh, last year. So there, there was certainly a view that she deliberately avoided wearing masks because of this uh, political position, because of the anti-mask regulations, anti-mask law, and, and so on. So um, it was, it, it became a political issue. But uh, uh, people also pointed out that you look at China, uh, Xi Jinping certainly wore a mask when he visited a neighborhood in Beijing. She, she, uh, he wore a mask. But in the recent meetings uh, on, on, on television screen, people also noticed that the very, very top officials, when they held public meetings, they did not wear masks, whereas the lower ranks uh, who sat around in the meeting room, in the big meeting room, they did wear masks. <laughs> so so there, there, were, there are now many contradictory aspects, and, and, and therefore people... Uh, talk less about this issue. 
Okay, so here's some more uh, thoughts, especially going to the issue of discrimination as well overseas. Uh, TC, um, there's, there's a, as I say, there's a whole debate on, on Facebook, which I haven't got time to, to, to share here, but I recommend you go and have a look. TC says, um, the biggest difference in uh, expectations in wearing a mask in mainland China, Hong Kong and Macau, uh, people wear masks to guard against other people who may be sick. In many non-Chinese societies, including Singapore, only people who are ill wear a mask to prevent spreading germs to others. This highlights the me-first, selfish nature of Chinese culture and their fear of dying to a point that they're willing to live an undignified life. And and TC, who I assume is himself Chinese, says in terms of any discrimination, real or perceived overseas, in terms of discrimination, real or perceived, overseas Chinese face over the Wuhan coronavirus outbreak. They brought some of it themselves. Their frequent dishonesty is now catching up to them. That's uh, TC's uh, approach. Uh, Candy, uh, in an email, says uh, it takes an outbreak of coronavirus to bring out the ugly side of uncivilised Europeans. It's reported in the Dutch media that a female Chinese student was attacked with a knife in a lift when she challenged a group of men singing a song which insulted Chinese people over the outbreak. Uh, a woman, one on her own. Uh, picture this, a group of men attacking a woman with a knife in a lift. This is despicable by any standard. Spare me the lies about tolerance and diversity in Europe. I've travelled extensively in Europe and I've had first-hand experience of racist treatment by Europeans. Feeling uncomfortable or mistreated is bad enough, but being assaulted is a serious matter. And that's one of many recent reports of similar incidents involving racial violence against people of Chinese and Asian descent in Europe in this epidemic of racism. Racism in Europe. On top of that, Europe is declining in geopolitical relevance. If they do not deal with this huge problem, they will be left alone to sink in their irrelevance. Holiday in Europe? No, thank you. I will take my money elsewhere. That comes uh, from Candy. Thank you very much indeed for that. Um, Gordon Matthews, any thoughts on that? Well, um, you know, it is truly, truly terrible that these. Incidents of racism are coming out. I mean, uh, it's awful this is happening. And it just shows human self interest and how people are worried over crises that aren't really real. Remember, those Europeans are far more likely to get run over by a taxi in any given day than to get the coronavirus. So the, these fears are, blow up into complete irrationality. Uh, but it is showing the bad side as well as the good side of human beings. Um, last Saturday, uh, a Hong Kong localist brought a bunch of masks that uh, we could distribute in chunking mansions. That was very cool. So th- that's, that's a good side of this, and the good side and the bad side is coming out when people are under crisis. But the messages you've just read certainly do show that dark side. And, man, I, I share the distress of the people writing the messages. I certainly would like everyone trying to keep a humorous and new and positive manner. Uh, I do agree that a crisis situation tends to bring out the worst side and the best side of human nature. Yes. And uh, we should avoid racist attitudes because <laughs> uh, 
you, you have good people in all societies, and occasionally you come across rude people. I, for example, um, somebody told me and said that nowadays they are very selfish people. They don't want to push the buttons when they enter the elevator. They want to let you push the button. They don't want to push the door. They want you to push the door because they want to minimize risk and so on. So even very minor things, you, you notice that people may, then, may tend to become a bit more, a bit sensitive, a bit discriminatory. But I, I certainly believe that we, we should avoid uh, making distinctions between races and so on. Uh, we, we do come across uh, uh, the Indian communities trying to help, trying to distribute masks, and, they, and, and these acts have been, uh, uh, have been found praiseworthy among ordinary Chinese people. Right. Um, Gordon, what about panicking um, in the crisis? Is this more Hong Kong or do you think this is um, global? It's not really culturally different. I, I see there was pan- panic buying in Italy yep, yep. in supermarkets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the panic buying has struck me as ridiculous. I mean, the height of absurdity was, after all, robbing uh, in Hong Kong, <laughs> robbing, stealing toilet paper, 600 rolls of toilet paper. What are you going to do with all of that? Oh, well, we had, a, we had an email suggesting that was down to the pro-democracy camp. They paid someone. <laughs> they had paid these people to, to steal the... And, uh, and they were linked paper. to Donald Trump, too, I'm sure. So, <laughs> yes, it, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the, the panic buying is obviously fairly ridiculous. Um, I see the panic now, and I, I wonder what it would be like again in a situation where the virus had the fatality of Ebola. I mean, I would be panicking if you had a 50% death rate. I, I would be terrified. But with such a low death rate, it, it strikes me the panic is a little excessive because we're all going to die anyway, number one. And number two, the things that kill us will almost certainly be things that we've all long known about. I mean, you know, I'm going to drop dead of a heart attack or, or get cancer or something long before the Ebola, the, uh, long before the coronavirus hits me in all likelihood. So why worry about the latter and not worry about the former? Okay. Okay, uh, a lot of emails uh, which we'll get to, the, the, a lot of emails aren't kind of about um, RTHK, which we'll uh, maybe knock over till tomorrow. Uh, Alonzo says, I can't believe you're still harping on the pros and cons of wearing a mask. It's fairly obvious that while wearing masks can't provide 100% protection from any disease and questionably reduce the risk of contamination. So if people like Mike Rouse want to express their right to run around mask-free, so be it. That's their choice. Come on, back chat. Let's move on to a more interesting topic. Not yet, Alonzo. Uh, we've got a caller on the line. Elizabeth. Elizabeth, good morning. Uh, good morning. I fully agree that we should all wear a mask. We have to do this for our own health and for those and the, the rest of the people in our community. The one thing I think may be coming is and are designer masks. And I just wonder if anybody that's listening knows about or where somebody is making these designer-type masks. A- Ada might other know, actually. Fabrics. It's more Ada's but the family. other fabrics, I wonder if they are if they really block the the virus. But I read an article in the newspaper yesterday which kind of said that Shamshri Po had some of the fabric That's, co- that's correct. As far as I know, um, uh, there's a fabrics market in Shamshri Po and um, the hawkers there together with um, uh, people who understand, you know, uh, the um, fabrication of masks, they, they actually put a filter inside uh, the cloth oh, mask. I see. So it's not just cloth mask and, and you have to change the filter um, every few days. Mm-hmm. So if you're interested, go to the uh, the Pangjai um, uh, hawker, the fabric 
Rex Hawkers Market, uh, which is just right opposite the Shamshopur Police Station. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Elizabeth. Bye. And thank you very much indeed to to our guest this morning, to uh, Joseph Cheng, Professor of Politics at City University, and uh, Gordon Matthews, Professor of Anthropology at the Chinese University. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, okay, Bowen in an email, uh, says a uh, response to Andrew F.'s comments in yesterday's back chat. I'm glad uh, Andrew F. agrees with me that we cannot give a definitive mortality rate of coronavirus for the mainland now. At the same time, I need to remind him that many different sources have pointed to the mainland's figures of death being underreporting, including reports about Hubei pres- residents being unable to gain admission to hospitals and dying outside of them because of bureaucratic requirements. It also seems rather peculiar that Andrew F. has found it necessary to look all the way to South Korea for a comparative death rate when we in Hong Kong already have a death rate of 2.5%, which I assume he will accept as trustworthy. If he insists on choosing a foreign country, objectively there are other countries like Iran and Italy where the death rates are 182 and 3.2% respectively. In any case, the country he's chosen, South Korea, is in a state of flux right now. I don't see on what concrete basis anyone can assert unequivocally that the number of people affected there is at least 10 times the reported number, even though that will help Andrew F. manufacture his medical death rate of 0.1%. Also, he seems to have applied double standards in assessing the reliability of the South Korean's figure of infection as opposed to figure of death, which he stands by unequivocally. Let it also be stated that Chinese official death rate of 2.1% is just the national figure. It's 4.9% for Wuhan, 3.1% for Hubei, meaning things can get very bad indeed if the necessary actions are taken. Uh, then there's a the cliche that the mortality rate usually gets revised downwards eventually. First, note the word usually, and second, there's already evidence that unlike SARS, the virus is unable to thrive in the present hot temperature of Singapore poor, meaning we don't know for sure how long this epidemic may drag on, in which situation the virus has the potential and time to mutate and become more lethal. Finally, given also the fact that COVID-19 is much more contagious than SARS in 2003, we obviously must not lower our guard, but stay clear-headed and uh, undistracted. Thank you very much indeed for that comment, and thank you to uh, everyone else. If we can just squeeze in a few more emails. As I say, um, some uh, we will have to knock back till tomorrow. S says panic buying. I guess it's the nature of Hong Kong people. Remember the bank runs uh, in the uh, 80s. Uh, and uh, G says medical uh, paper masks may help for a number of reasons in order of importance. First, reduce risk of transmission from an affected victim. Second, encouraging social conformity and a general good, safe feeling among passengers on public transport. Three, potentially reduce the risk of hand-to-face transmission. Uh, Other than that, only an airtight mask with an effective filter coupled with a full-body protective or negative-pressured hazmat suit, gloves and boots has the chance of attempting personal or individual protection from contraction. Uh, that's uh, G's thought. Thank you very much indeed for uh, everyone who contributed and uh, called and commented uh, this morning. Ada, many thanks to you. How often do you wear a mask? Do you walk, if you're walking I, down I the street? I wear my mask every single day. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, as I say, we'll be back at uh, 8.30 tomorrow, uh, focusing on, on financial aspects with the, uh, tomorrow being the budget day. Hope you can uh, join us then. And join us on Friday to talk directly to the financial secretary himself. The weather, sunny periods, warm during the day, temperatures up to 25 degrees. The outlook, warm tomorrow, 21 degrees now, and relative humidity, 86%. To prevent the spread of disease, make sure all drainage traps contain water. 
Pour half a liter of water into each drain outlet every week. Check sinks, baths, toilets, and floor drain outlets regularly. If drainage pipes are leaking or blocked, or drain outlets emit a foul smell, arrange prompt inspection and repair by a qualified person. Don't alter drains and pipes on your own. Visit chp.gov.hk for details. 32, the news now with Samantha Butler. Civic Party lawmaker Dr Kwok Ka-ki is accusing the government of having double standards by barring people from South Korea, yet refusing to close the borders to mainland arrivals, despite there being a 100 times more cases of the coronavirus on the mainland. Travellers who've been to South Korea in the past 14 days will also be barred, while returning Hong Kong residents will be quarantined. Mainland authorities have reported another 71 deaths from the coronavirus, the lowest daily number of fatalities in over two weeks. There were also over 500 new cases with all but nine in hard-hit Hubei province. And the American film producer Harvey Weinstein has been convicted of sexual assault and rape by a jury in New York, but it found him not guilty of the most serious charges of predatory sexual assault and first-degree rape, which could have carried a life sentence. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. The news is done and back chats through And so it's time for the morning brew, yeah Got special guests here in to speak To maybe help you plan your week, yeah They know just what is going on Around Kowloon and Old Hong Kong We've all been working with different concepts. Social media, they ridicule people, they come on the radio. Oh, he's that's tricky, he's a tricky one. But he's so eclectic. I think that this may actually save the royal family. So pass the word on right away. Pass the word on right away. Mid mornings on our THK. Monday to Friday, every day. It's big, it's bad, it's just for you. Must have the kettle boiling too. It's Philip Whelan's morning brew. It's time now for the morning brew. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. Going to begin after 10 with the news of former Hollywood big gun Harvey Weinstein being convicted of various sexual assaults. You just heard about that on the news. On the surface, this is a victory for the Me Too movement. Well, is it done and dusted? Not according to a New York-based writer and former editor of The Nation magazine, Joanne Vibievsky. She's been following this trial avidly and, along with other close observers, feels that, quote, it's very hard to see how justice won today. We're going to find out why after 10. 10.30 plus, Osboy Jarrett.